said, man, the perception of being a barber is so like you got one of two extremes or you have two different types of extremes. You have the one where you were almost like the new rappers of the yeah. day where it's all this pop and circumstance cool. and it's yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> we in the movies now. We got cartoon movies talking about how good barbering is or yep. you got the movie barbershop you know it kind of brings a community feel and it lets people know about the staple of barbershops in the community and those are all like positives right but with that positive of this clout that you can have you got people that's out here showing their gold chains showing all the money that they make and different things of that nature but we're put into the I don't know. It's like a diluted version of what we are is when you see all of that pop and circumstance and people kind of like flaunting. That's not even like the professional side of barbering, but that's like the that's the glory of barbering is all of this other stuff that really ain't real for the majority of people. I'll say it for the majority of barbers. That's not real life, especially if they're successful. Welcome to the first episode of the Elevated Barbers podcast. My name is Bradford Kelly. I'm the owner of Another Level of Barber. And if you haven't checked it out, check it out. But before you go and check that out, I want you to check out my boy, the Prince, the Royal One himself. Go ahead and introduce yourself. This is Delmar, aka the Prince. You can check me out on Instagram at T H E P R V N C E. And uh, I'm looking forward to starting this podcast. Elevated Barbers Podcast. You can also find us on IG at Elevated Barbers Podcast. So, Brad, man, this is a this is a treat to be doing this podcast with you, man. We've been talking about this for the, about the past few months, and uh, you know the time has arrived, and we live. So, yeah, we live, man. And we can't can't unpress record right now. So if y'all see a little jitters, nervousness from us, that's natural. And you should get oh, used yeah. to it because we're going to yeah. press through it. We're going to um, press through it. So this first episode, you can correct me if I'm wrong. We're supposed to kind of get into our pathways into barbering. How do we become barbers? Because it's the Elevated Barber podcast. We are not the only thing that are elevated. We know that this is a community of barbers that we are trying to speak to that are having a mindset that want to be elevated and feel like they already are elevated. And so we wanted to create this community so that all of us that are thinking elevated can kind of come together and kind of listen to some of the journeys and pitfalls that me and Delmar have kind of gone through and probably prevent yourself from going through some of the things that we've failed at um, and then have some better successes than we um, have as well. But we are two successful barbers um, that have been in the game for quite some time. I think I'm going on, I'm going on. You old, bro. (laughs) (laughs) You are a vet. Man, a seasoned veteran, man. I mean, seasoned. So I got into barber college in 2005, got my license in 2007. And so it's now 2023 and it's been a journey. It's been a long time. And the the thing that's kind of let me know that I'm old is not the fact that I'm 37, not the fact that I got gray hair in my beard. It's the fact that I remember a child being in a booster seat. And now they've graduated high school in college. And it's like, I'm like, what is happening in my life? 
what has happened in my life for me to see the transition of life. But that, I think, is a positive thing. How long have you been in the game? Let the people know. So for me, man, is it seemed like the game kind of found me. I've always been around it. Uh, my dad used to always cut my hair. He would never take me to the barbershop. And uh, one, one day I got in trouble. I think I was a junior in high school. I got in trouble. Bought some brag, some bad grades home on my progress report, and uh, he got mad at me. I was like, "Here you go, here you go the Clippers. I'm not cutting your hair no more." That was my punishment. So wait, so was he nice with the Clippers though? Like, was he already looking fresh, or was he like basic average? And then it was like you went from bad to worse. I'm gonna just say in the nice. Oh, way, he, might at, he might be he looking might at. He might be. He might be watching. He might be listening. <laughs> but uh, yeah, now nah, he 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 was he was decent. You know, to say that, decent. you know, that wasn't his full-time job, he was decent. Yeah. But, um, man, I think I had already started seeing you cutting hair around that time because it was around the same time, 05. I was yeah. 17. You had just started Barber College. And uh, I I was with you one summer while you was in school. And I remember the backpack days and you going to one of the colleges or somewhere we went. Nah, I went to Cal. You. I yeah, went to yeah. Cal. For yeah. those that don't know, I live in the Bay Area. And yeah, so I went to uh, Cal Berkeley, which is a prestigious uh, college out here. Y'all know it, but they ain't Sorry. successful it in ain't, no sports, though. It ain't LSU, but. It ain't. It ain't. <clears throat> I can't say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but now, nah, bro, like, uh, you know, 2005, I was 17. He gave me the Clippers. My first cut was all even. I kept it simple. And I messed myself up trying to go back and uh, correct my colleague. Went to school the next day. They called me Spot. So <laughs> that's that's another story for another day. But man, I've been with the Clippers since 2005, and uh, I got I went to school in 2010. For those of you who don't, who don't know, after high school, I graduated in 06. I went to college for information technology. It didn't work out for me. My first semester was cool, but my heart wasn't in school and I got kicked out of college. Like I got put on suspension twice. Then I appealed the first time, got suspended the second time. And then the third time they expelled me. So <laughs> I just told my parents, I was like, man, you know what? I don't want to go to school anymore. It's not for me. They don't know that I got expelled though. It wasn't until later on. Well, they know now that they watching out. this live. They know now. <laughs> But they wait a minute. So they, told them that. they suspended you, academic suspension, right? Yep. And then you said, "No, please don't. I want to do this." And they was just like, "All right, come on back." And then you just kept with the same behavior. I did, man. My heart wasn't in it, uh, and like for me in high school, it was too easy. I was one of the kids that I can go to class. You know, fall asleep in class, wake up, pass the test with an A. That's just how I was. I didn't have any study habits. My dad used to tell me all the time, saying you need to develop study habits. And I did not listen. So when I got to college, I found out why he kept telling me that you need study habits. And it's because when you're in college, you're responsible for you. You know, the yeah. professors are not reaching out to your parents and saying, hey, look, you know, Delmar or, you know, Brad is not doing what he's supposed to be doing. Maybe you should motivate them. But, you know, you really become an adult, a young adult when you're in college. And it's either you sink or swim. And I sunk. 
more than more than <laughs> once. But yeah, um, so that that led to me wanting to go to the military. A lot of people don't know I was contemplating going to the Navy, and then uh, I talked to somebody that I look up to. He's like a mentor to me. Uh, I won't say his name, but I talked to him. We sat down and talking. He gave me some some uh, wise words and uh, encouraged me to, you know, maybe pursue the barbering thing. In uh, 2010, I actually went to cosmetology school and uh, I finished in 2011. And it wasn't easy. I had some hardships, but uh, I finished. I saw it all the way through. This was like yeah. one of the first things in my life outside of high school that I saw all the way through. I have a habit of starting things and then not really completing it but i had something to prove not only to my parents but to myself that hey this is what i want to do this is what i want to become and i'm giving it 110 percent yeah yeah i like that man it reminds me of my story a little bit from the standpoint of just going all in like mm -hmm. for me I already knew in high school that college wasn't going to be for me, not because I didn't like learning, not because I didn't like education, but the structure of traditional college, it didn't fit the way that my brain worked. It didn't fit the way that I learned. Mm -hmm. So I knew already me and my mom, we got into many fights about just, are you going to go to college? Yes. I'm yes. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to college. Um, and then when I, a lot of people don't know this, if you don't know me, is that I was going to go into real estate. So you was about to go into mm -hmm. IT, but I was actually going to go into real estate. And uh, I wanted to become a real estate appraiser because in 2004, when I graduated high school in 2005, real estate was hot. Mm -hmm. Money was being thrown everywhere. And so yeah. I wanted to catch a couple of dollars if I could. And uh, but there were certain things about me that I knew that I didn't want to do on a daily basis. And I think when when you think about becoming a barber, you have to keep in mind who you are and what you're willing to do, what you're willing to do on a day to day basis. If you don't if you don't know that, then you can get into this industry and just like completely hate every day <laughs> because you didn't know what you were signing up for. Yeah. But for me, I, um, I knew that I did not want to deal with computers on a day to day basis. I'm not a computer person. I knew that I did not want anybody to put a ceiling on how much money I could make. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to see different people on a daily basis. I didn't want to be, you know, stuck in an office and looking at the same five people all the time. Um, I knew that I wanted to be able to give back directly to people that I knew cared about me. I wanted to be like a direct benefit to them in some way. And I just stumbled into barbering because one of my good friends was in school to be a barber and I had a conversation with other friends before he came back into the picture and we were talking about having a very good wholesome community for barbers because we had seen a a, a, a salon open up in in the area that we stay and it was just like a really good place the name of that uh, facility is called Jovan Salon and Barber so so I wanted to, well, it wasn't called Jovan Salon and Barber, and it was called Jovan Salon at the time. <clears throat> and when I got into the barbering space, I wanted to build a barbershop that was similar to how they had that environment set up because it was just very professional. It was just very mm -hmm. professional, very, it seemed like it welcomed everybody. Anyways, 
So when I decided to go into barbering, I was just like, okay, I'm going to do that based on this conversation I had with some friends in high school that was just like, man, if we could find a place like that, that would be tight. And I was just like, I'll go to school if anybody go with me. But none of my friends went with me. None. Zero of them, even though they was all in that conversation, none of them went with me to school. So I ended up going to school with a different friend um, that had moved away to New York and then moved to Vegas and then came back to the Bay Area. And his name is Brandon. And so mm. we went to school together in San Francisco, got my barber's license in 2007. And the rest is history. But what you said about the commitment to, to being a barber, it stood out because I remember a conversation I was having with my mom and I had got into school and didn't even let her know. <laughs> mm. I had got into barber college. I had paid the, the initial tuition to get in. And I had already been in school for about a week and a half, maybe two weeks. And then we were moving or something like that. We were, we were about to move. And she was asking me like, so what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a barber. And she was like, what? <laughs> Like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, it was so out of the blue for her. But yeah. I committed, man. I didn't have no plan B. I didn't have, like, real estate was plan A, and then that blew up. And then I was just like, all right, I'm going to be a barber. And then once I got into barber college, man, it's crazy. Like, all of the boxes were checked for me. The no yeah. computers, the ceiling on your income, not being capped. Um, the people that I could give back to, the fact that, I didn't have to see the same people every single day. Like all of these boxes were checked, man. Right. And it like made me love what I came to work for. You know, it made me love doing this on a daily basis. So, yeah. yeah. Now, it's funny that you say, um, you know, your mom had the reaction when you told her you wanted to be a barber because my parents had the same reaction. And, uh, you know, at, at that time, I, I at that time, I couldn't understand it. But looking back at it now, I can because, you know, our parents are older, you know, um, and they grew up in a time where, you know, being a barber wouldn't look at it as being professional. You had some other activities going on. Let's let's keep it a hundred. Let's keep it a <laughs> hundred. So it went, and then the reported income. I'm not, I'm not telling on nobody, <laughs> but the reported income wasn't there. I'll say that. Leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still like that on, on the internet. You go on the internet, man. Yeah. Barbers is looking like they're making thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, but it's I mean they, that's they they know, bro. They look at social media, they can see you know who the big timers are. They, well, who they the, know the uh the so said big timers are what they post is big time, but what they living with it might be different. Yeah, that's true too. And we're gonna get factoids. into that later on in the season. Yeah, um, factoids. But yeah, my, my parents had the same reaction, man. But you know. Uh, just like you had to prove to your mom, I had to prove to my parents also that, hey, look, this is what I want to do, and I'm passionate about it. This is what I love. And when you have somebody like you and I, um, just when you're passionate about something, I, I know we're kind of similar in that regard. When we're passionate about something, we're going to give it our all. And you have no yeah. choice but to be successful, especially if you don't have a plan B. I'm similar to you. My plan A, B, and C was to be successful in barbering. I didn't have any, you know, other certifications behind my name. I had a, a high school diploma. That's it. Yeah. 
And that's not to knock a high school diploma or no, to knock that you fully committed to doing this. Because like you said, man, the perception of being a barber is so like you got one of two extremes or you have two different types of extremes. You have the one where we're almost like the new rappers of the yeah. day where it's all this pop and circumstance cool. and yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> we in the movies now. We got cartoon movies talking about how good barbering is or yep. you got the movie barbershop you know it kind of brings the community feel and it lets people know about the staple of barbershops in the community and those are all like positives right but with that positive of this clout that you can have you got people that's out here showing their gold chains showing all the money that they make and different things of that nature but we're put into the I don't know. It's like a diluted version of what we are is when you see all of that pomp and circumstance and people kind of like flaunting. That's not even like the professional side of barbering, but that's like the that's the glory of barbering is all of this other stuff that really ain't real for the majority of people. I'll say it for the majority of barbers. That's not real life, especially if they're successful. Right. And then you have the other extreme of what I call like the criminal barbers, right? Where you just out here, you doing barbering work, but you're not licensed. You don't approach it as a business. You don't approach it. And so people look down. Yeah. You treat it like a hustle and people look down on both of those points of view. Both of those points of view are don't, don't scream success. Like to the, the mainstream world. Like you look at, like (laughs) you look at the rappers of this world, and they're not looked at by Fortune 500 companies as successful, but they looked at as tools for their themselves to be successful. This is like, OK, a lot of people are following them. Let's get them to be on this product and then we can use them to make us some money because people like the what they talking about or whatever. But you, you don't see yourself as a business. You don't operate like a business and therefore people are taking advantage of you and therefore you are still continuously working. And you're going to have to keep working because you don't know how to separate yourself from that circle. So it's on the string. Yeah. Yeah. You end up being a puppet at the end of the day. So it's just it's just a situation that I find ourselves in that I find the industry. in. it's like, like man, like, are we going to get out of this or are we kind of we kind of do we have to just be the anomalies? Like the ones that are they're acting professional and acting professional don't mean that you, you know, doing facials or whatever. It's right. just that you conduct business in a way that allows manner. people to respect you. Right. Yeah. And so always what is say, it? man, people always say clients won't respect your business until you respect your business. So yeah. that means setting boundaries. That means, you know, having a booking site, you know, whatever. Just don't think about yourself as a barber. Think about yourself as a business. So you look at a place like McDonald's. McDonald's has been successful for years. Yeah, I know. Nasty, terrible. but <laughs> Unhealthy. Mc- yeah, very unhealthy. But regardless of all that, McDonald's has been a multi-billion dollar company for years. Yeah. And, you know, they're successful year in and year out. Why? It's because they set a precedent with their standards. Uh or like thereof, but needless to say, they set goals, they do things in a professional manner from the top down, yeah. and you know, it's what keeps them in business for so long, because they're not looking at it as 
we're just serving food. We're looking at it as we're a conglomerate that people love the way they market themselves. Did you watch that documentary on uh I think it's called The Founder? It's on no, Netflix. I haven't. Bro, what you, when you brought up McDonald's, it brought that back to my mind. Like they did not look at themselves as when they blew up, they didn't they weren't looking at themselves no longer as a a burger establishment. Mm-hmm. But that's the heart behind the origination of McDonald's is yep. burgers. Yep. And the system in which they were able to put out fast food like that system was where they were making money and that's what they were getting known for but what's crazy is when they got this other guy to come in there and start to he was trying to sell shake machines when his mind was about business yep their minds was about the labor the how do you get these burgers done how do you do this the other guy that came in and started to try and help them he was thinking about how do we make money off of this yep. stuff? Like, how do we yep. really take what we have and make more money? That's that's what business is about, is how do I make more money? And the four ways that you do it is either you're going to work hard, you're going to work smart, you're going to work less, or you're not going to have to work at all for the money that you make. It's the, those yep. four things. Either you're going to work hard for the money, you're going to work smart for the money, you're going to work less and make the money or you ain't going to have to work at all and then still make money. And you have to figure out how to do those in your business. But my point in bringing that stuff up about the story is that what you were saying is so huge is if you don't see yourself as an owner of a business, if you see yourself as the business itself, then you will be the labor. You will be the, the hair cutter. You will be the person that gives the facials. You will be that. But if you learn how to step outside of that and understand that's labor, but how does this thing make money? If you look at the the generation of money, then you can separate yourself and understand like, okay, this is how I can, this is where I work hard. This is how I can start to work smart. This is where I can work less and make more. And this is where I can make money without having to work at all. You start to see those things. But when you don't, when you in the labor, when you in the mix of it, you can't see it. It's like being in a basketball game and the pressure is high. Mm-hmm. If you're not a coach, you're going to get caught up in the confusion yep. of the screens and, and trying to dribble through crowds and stuff. But it's going to come from you being able to step outside of that. So I wanted yeah. to ask you a quick question to um, really poke your brain in what you said. What are some principles that you have learned about being a professional barber like how would you describe that to me so i i think i had to go back to 2011 and <clears throat> i really appreciate you the team at javance it was javance was it javance beauty at the time yeah javance beauty and wellness okay so javance beauty and wellness and mr uh michael e parker for allowing me to intern there because straight out of cosmetology school, the cosmetology school I went to was they, uh, they punched it into our brain, professionalism, professionalism. And when I got to uh, Jovance, it was still the same thing, professionalism, professionalism. I never been in a barbershop atmosphere that wasn't professional. 
Like my first time in the barbershop was coming to intern with you mm. and coming to see what you were doing. And I saw how you were structured. And it's even times 10 now. It, guys, Brad is, I'll just say he's phenomenal. He's a big reason why I became a barber. But my time there, it allowed me to see what professionalism looks like, especially as being a young black barber slash entrepreneur. Just, you know, let's keep it real. We don't have that title of being professional as young black barbers. It's, it's not there. We yeah. don't get looked at as that. That's and not a stereotype that we have. No. Yeah. So, and I looked at you and how you carried your business and you changed the way that I thought about a, you know, a young black barber. And I took everything within me those two months that I was there. I took everything back home and I said, you know what? I want to at least find an environment where I can, uh, you know, use these same principles of being professional. Or if not, you know, I have to do what I got to do, work somewhere until I get to the point where I can own my own establishment and become a professional barber or, you know, have that standard in, in my career. So, and like you said, it's not, being professional is not dressing up in a suit every day or doing uh, facials and this, that, and the third, but it's really your your mannerisms your energy that you bring to work. You know, you can't bring home or, you know, we all go through things, but you can't bring that to work with you. When I touch that parking lot, not even the door, when I touch the parking lot, matter of fact, when I get in my vehicle and drive to work, everything that I'm thinking about is left behind me. I leave it at home yeah. because I don't want to bring that energy, you know, in front of my, my clients, in front of, you know, the people that I work around. And then too, just how you treat people, man, like, uh, I worked in customer service for a long time before I even became a barber. So I worked at Walmart. So they're big at that time. They were real big on customer service. And, you know, just learning that from there and then being a part of Javant's team and uh, just having some good people around me. I know that you have to treat people with kindness, respect. You have to be patient with people. If you're mm -hmm. in any business service industry, you have to have patience because I don't know what my client, my nine o'clock appointment went through before he came to his appointment. I don't know what, you know, my people throughout the day are going through in their personal lives. Right. Yeah. So it's up to me to not add on to that. It's up to me that when they see me, when they make an appointment with me, it's not just about a haircut. You know, we can talk. I can take your mind, help you take your mind off of whatever you're dealing with. We could just have a good, clean conversation um, in a professional environment. So when I look at being a professional barber, I look at everything. How would I like to be treated? You know, when I'm, if I'm going into somebody else's establishment, you know, um, just just everything, man. Just having that standard and and respecting your business. Yeah. You know, like I said before earlier when we was uh, having the conversation, whatever type of clientele you have. They won't respect your business if you don't respect your business. Yep. And that means you have to set standards in play and you have to abide by those standards. Do you go by the book every single time? No, because every situation is different. But for the most part, you should go by the book so that everybody can fall in line with what you're trying to uh, implement with your business. So yeah. that's what I got on that. What about you? 
No, nah, I think that what you said is a is a gold. I hope a lot of people was able to uh, take heed to that. One of the things that I think is key about professionalism is doing what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, that's step one to sure. professionalism. Because what you require of others, you have to hold yourself to the same accountability. Mm-hmm. So when I say do what you say you're going to do, if you don't promise anything, nobody has anything to expect from you. And if they don't have anything to expect from you, then you can't expect anything from them. Like you can't. It's impossible for you to fairly expect anything from them when they you they can't expect anything from you. So you have to be the first and almost like the leader of the life that you want to have. And if you want people to respect you, then you have to give respect. You have to understand how to do that. And another thing about professionalism outside of, or not outside of, but alongside with doing what you say you're going to do. Another thing about professionalism is you being able to provide predictability like that. It goes with doing what you say you're going to do, but if a person can predict or expect something from you because of how you structure your business, that is what allows people to, like you said, fall in line or to be able to even to be able to appreciate you. Mm-hmm. You can't be appreciated if you don't ever acknowledge what you want them to see. Right. If you if, if you know what I mean? Like it's almost if if you were in a relationship with someone and they could you always just like, hey, I'm gonna pick you up at such such and such time. I'm gonna pick you up for this date. I'm gonna pick you up for this. And then you never show up or you always are late doing it or whatever. They're going to start to expect those that behavior from you. And then eventually they won't want to be with you no more because it's like you never even take me out, you know. And so that is what professionalism to me. Those are like two small areas of professionalism. That's a big topic. But simply put, if you can do what you say you're going to do and then you can also cause like an expectation in your client's mind based on your consistent behavior, that's going to help you when it comes to being professional. I agree with that. So sticking in that same vein, uh, what would you say are the pros and cons to being a barber? Or let's arrange the question like this. What would you say are the pros and cons to being a professional barber? All right. So that's a very big difference, the professional barber versus just a barber. Um, Because of the stereotypes, though, it's because of the stereotypes. And and I call them criminals, man, those garage barbers with no license. They bother me, man, because in reality, no, in reality, like you really dilute the perception of barbering. Like you dilute it when you approach it from just a a. Hustle. unprofessional way yeah that's how i could say it and that's the like the difference between you take like the nba and then you take and one mm-hmm. right it's just completely it's the same game we're playing the same game but the structures are so different and the pay is so different because the expectation is so different and because right. the results are so different like you they're getting away with all kind of travels all kind of double dribbles all kind of like I mean, even the NBA is getting worse in regards to those costs, but there's like a certain standard 
that the NBA has that mixtape and one mixtape don't got. And therefore, they can't charge high prices. They can't scale because the structure isn't there for them to scale. It's too much. They're built on on sand. Like it's too much variables for them to be able to grow. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to like the pros and cons of being a professional barber, the first thing is you will make more money. Like just straight up. If you do the things necessary to become professional and some simple things to become professional is like those two things that I've mentioned before, but simply taking appointments, that's like a basic thing that everybody can do for free, if not cheap, is take appointments so that you can structure how people can get in with you. You can structure how um, how much of a demand is on your time. That's step one. Then it comes into other things, and I'm not going like hold no class or nothing like that, but I think one of the biggest pros of being a professional barber is you will actually make more money. You will actually be able to have more free time. You'll also be able to attract the clients that you want versus just having people come to you. Mm-hmm. And I think last I think lastly is just being a like a, a pro to being a professional barber is the relationships that you have with your clients will become how do I say it? you'll be able to retain more clientele if mm-hmm. you're professional. So all of those all of those lead back to that number one thing is you'll make more money. But the relationships you'll find are a lot better, higher quality than if you were unprofessional. Well, <clears throat> what would you say the cons are? Ah, the cons is you going to be broke. The cons are is that you'll be overworked. You'll be burnt out. You'll feel underappreciated for your skill set. You'll, you'll feel um, you'll feel a sense of, I'll say, regret towards the industry you won't feel you won't see a healthy future like we all get into this industry and because especially because of instagram and social media of today you see all of this hype you see all of this you know thousands of barbers i don't know if it's thousands of barbers but you see a lot of main i mean when i not when i say thousands of barbers i'm specifically talking about promoting hundred dollar haircuts Mm. Right. Like you talking about hundred dollar haircuts and young barbers get into this industry and they're like, mm-hmm. bro, that's what I'm trying to do. Like, I'm trying to get a hundred dollars a head. And like, it's very possible. It's very, very possible. But if that's your goal and you're starting off, you're going to be super frustrated, like mm-hmm. fast because your expectation isn't isn't correct for where you're at. And that is and you might be approaching it from an unprofessional standpoint, because a lot of times the people that are saying these things about becoming a hundred dollar haircut, a hundred dollar barber and all of this stuff or charging more than that, they are not looking at it from a professional mindset. No, They're looking at it from a hustle mindset. They're looking yep. at it from a get rich quick mindset. And that, that is what hinders a lot of the younger barbers coming up is because they're looking at these people because they're popular as examples but then they don't understand any of the business that has allowed that person to even get to where they are 
and they might not even really be doing that for their main money. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's crazy. A person that charges five hundred dollars and getting on planes and different things of that nature and flying and cutting celebrities, they're not surviving off of barbering. Mm-hmm. They're surviving off the fact that you paid for their class. Yep. And so that's the difference. And people don't really understand that. They like, man, how do I do this so that I could do what you're doing? And what they're doing is selling you the dream of what they're doing. And yet you can't do what you are signed up for. You can't be the barber that you want to be because you're trying to be this whatever. And so it kind of messes with you. And that, I think, are some of the cons of being unprofessional is you can fall for a lot of different gimmicks that are happening where you'll end up losing some of the money that you're making because you're trying to be something you're not. Mm-hmm. And that's a big con when you need money and you want money because in the barbering space, you're going to have, you're going to have to fight for it. It's not like you ain't going to physically knock somebody <coughs> or nothing like that, but you're going to have to put effort into your own growth. Yep. But the way that it's promoted, I mean, then are you seeing it? Don't you see it on IG a lot? The way that barbering is promoted it does not show the reality of the work and the effort necessary to become successful. It's a it highlight reel. Show it. it's, a it's a highlight reel. Yeah, you're looking at top 10 highlights, ESPN, dun 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 And that's that's what's, um, you know, with young guys coming in, guys and girls <clears throat> coming in, you look at the, the barbers that are sponsored by, you know, Wall, Andes, Gamma, Stylecraft, these different uh, Clipper brands, and they're showing you the highlights. They're showing you, you know, 20 years in. They're not showing you what it took for them to get there. They're showing you 20 years in. They're making residual income, passive income off of something else. Barbering, like you said, is no longer their main thing. That's why they can charge 100 plus for a cut or a service. And then, you know, you get young people, they see this, and they're like, man, I want to be like him. Like today. Like yeah, I today, like today. right now. <laughs> like when I start tomorrow, I yeah. got my license. When I start tomorrow, I'm charging 100 yeah. off the rip. Yeah. And that's just not realistic. One, like, bro, nobody's going to pay you $100 to sit in your chair fresh out of school. And it, it, it possibly could happen because, you know, some people have been nice with the Clippers for years and they just went and got licensed later on. That's very possible. Yeah. But – Less likely than not, that's not the case. Two, your professionalism has to be up to par to even charge that type of money. You yeah. know, it's not people don't sit in your chair just because you can cut good. There's a lot of barbers who can cut good, do a decent job, but they lack the professionalism. So yeah. I think, you know, social media, and that's going to be one of our topics later on in the season, but I think social media impacted the barbering industry in a good way because I definitely benefited from it. I didn't have to do word of mouth or pass out cars as much going into it. But it also hinders you because if you're a young guy, young girl getting to the game and you're looking at all these other celebrity barbers or the verified is a big thing now. Oh, Um, yeah, subscription-based popularity. We'll talk about that another time. But... (laughs) But you you look at that, and we live in a world where social media is has its pros and cons. One of the cons are we compete and compare 
often. And instead of you just, you know, you setting a goal for yourself, you setting your foundation, you focusing on you and not the next man or the next woman, you know, set the path for you. Everybody's yeah. role, everybody's journey is different. But I can't focus on my goal if I'm constantly competing with 360 GZ or some of these other guys that's out here. I yeah. say 360 because he's very popular amongst even people who's not even a barber. But, yeah. you know, I can't compete with that. And then you can look down on yourself and feel like, man, I'm not good enough. It's not the case. He's been doing this for years. Like, he has the popularity on Instagram. He has the popularity on YouTube. I think he has the most followers on YouTube uh, out of any barber in the world. Yeah, I, would, so, I wouldn't doubt it. So, and he, he's a humble guy. I had a chance to meet him at a hair show in 2019 in New Orleans. He's a humble guy. He doesn't carry himself that way. But, you know, you can look at that, look at different ones. Kenny Duncan is another successful one. He's sponsored by Andy's. You can look at those type of people and be like, man, I'll never be that. You might not be that now, but that don't mean yeah. that you can't get there. You have to, you know, take baby steps and stop trying to take these giant leaps over, over mountains. You have to yeah. get there first, but work on yeah. your foundation. Those people who had to work on their foundation, if you sit down and talk with them, or they can talk with a Bradford Killer, or they can talk with uh, me, the prince, I'll tell you my struggles. Like, you know, it, it, and even still, I deal with things because I've been doing it for so long. Um, you know, I get I get burnt out. Yeah, Bar barber burnout. Uh, you know, entrepreneur burnout. And that's a, that's a subject that we can talk about later on too. But yeah. you know, if you if you talk to somebody like you and I, I don't mind being uh, vulnerable with you. I don't mind you know sharing my experiences, my failures. I had a lot of failures getting into this. I almost quit. You know, after yeah. I got my license because it wasn't working for me as fast as I wanted it to. Yeah, and I had to sit back and learn to be patient. That's something I'm still learning because my mind is on a thousand. Yeah, you know, I never, yeah. I never settle. I'm always constantly elevating. I'm always yeah. focused. Yeah, it's right here. There I'm it goes a little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wrong wrong way. Sorry, trying to trying to get used to this camera, but I'm always, <laughs> you know, focused. Or you know, you're always leveling up. You're inspiring yeah. me to, to level up. I'm inspiring you to level up, and. I think if you create a community like that where people can just be realistic about the industry and not look at the celebrity barbers or look at what's highlighted on social media, I think, and that's what this podcast is for, I think we can benefit so many people coming into this industry and be like, you know, tell them, hey, it's okay that you're not making 90 plus a year yet. It's okay that, you know, you're charging 25 right now. Yeah. That's cool. But, you know, you have to put in the work to get there. Yeah. And one of the things that a lot of barbers don't realize is a problem on how we typically start. And I think I know I fell into this trap is you don't even have a direction when you get into this. This, you know, like you, you get cutting. in. Yeah, you just get in and you cut and you don't really know where you're trying to go. You just want to get rich so to speak or you just want to make money and you think that making money is through the blend or through the line through the enhancement through the whatever through the service whatever it is and you don't see the business you just don't okay. you haven't elevated to that place because you're so used to being a player you can't be a coach you know you you can't you don't know how to separate yourself and see the game you can't see it you're just in it all in it 
But that's why we have this podcast, Elevated Barbers, because the things that we've been through, D, is, like you said, it's going to help young barbers getting into the game, but it also is going to help some of those barbers that are in our shoes, too, mm-hmm. that get frustrated with the fact that, man, like, I still got to grow. Mm-hmm. Like, I still, like, I'm booked, but I'm unsatisfied right now <laughs> with what is happening. Like, I'm frustrated. How do I get past this? And that's what this podcast is to help with, is to help to elevate your mind, elevate your business, because as barbers and as businesses, as business owners, we can always level up. Like, that's something that you can always do. You can always grow. So I think today was a great episode. Delmar, you tell me what what you think. No, this episode was, uh, I learned a lot more about you. And we, for those of you who don't know, man, Brad has been like a big brother to me since like early 2000s. I can't even put a, a year on it. It's just, this is 20 plus years of friendship yeah. and, and brotherhood that we've been building. And, uh, you know, there's been summers my mom would fly me out and I would stay with him. He would, him and his mom. Uh, I miss I'll her. Come, I would come and stay with you too. Yep. I would yeah. open up my, my house to him. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciated his mom. You know, she was a very sweet lady. She would open up her, her house to me. And we got a, <laughs> we got <laughs> He, he, on, know, he knew it was coming. A very sentimental moment, man. It, it is, but this, this, this moment that I'm about to share <laughs> is very sentimental <laughs> because this is one of my greatest memories of your mom, man. So, so but in retrospect, we got to let the people know. So me and Delmar, we really do have a deep bond for the years that we've been friends and been around each other, but also even in a deeper sense, both of us happened to lose our mothers to cancer at different mm-hmm. years. And so the memories that we have of each other's like life is deep. It goes mm-hmm. deep. And so this story that he about to share with you, mm-hmm. it goes deep. So <laughs> it was uh, one summer I came out and uh, we was going to go hoop. I'm not going to get a whole day because I remember the whole day like it was yesterday. But uh, we was going hoop at Hilltop. Uh, 24 Fitness in, in Hilltop. And uh, we was all excited. His mom was like, yeah, I'm going to have dinner ready for y'all when y'all get back. We was like, oh, cool. You know, we're going to stop at uh, Krispy Kreme. And it, at this time, Krispy Kreme had this uh, maple glazed donut. Yes. And I was so mad when I got back to Louisiana that they did not have it. Oh, but that man. donut was, oh, man, it, it was it that wasn't was even right. the best one. That yeah, was the best one to get. The, the greatest donut. was basic. The chocolate yeah. didn't wasn't even taste like chocolate. But nah. that maple, oh my lord! The greatest donut <laughs> of all time. But anyway, so we we go hooping at the hilltop uh, gym, and then we stop at Krispy Kreme on the way back. It's like man, we got donuts for our dinner. Your mom, she making this fried chicken. <laughs> man, we can't wait to get to the house. So we get back like a little Ooh. bit past midnight. Man, we walk in the house. It was dark get in the kitchen brad turns on the kitchen light and we both look at the pot light <laughs> right what what happened to the chicken so we thought maybe she she might have blackened the chicken or it was a, a little bit too much pepper on it this you know oven roasted i i don't i don't know what mom's trying to do i don't then, know either it was it, black as that microphone it, it it was it was chocolate chicken <laughs> but, but the pot next to it, <laughs> the pot next to it had 
homemade potato chips. <laughs> Yeah, homemade potato chips. <laughs> Bro, all I remember was we both was on the floor crying, laughing because it was so funny. It's like, man, we worked up an appetite and we got home to some blackened chicken and homemade potato chips. But man, but the chicken it was so was crazy. Though. The chicken was delicious. It didn't look delicious no. at all, but it was. It was but the good. thing that is so fun to me, like when you keep saying that, Every time you talk about it, man, in my head, she made french fries. I'm like, why was the chips so thick? Like, why was they so thick? I don't know. She was trying to make potato wedges, but they, they wouldn't wedges and they wouldn't fries, bro. They was, <laughs> no things was chipping. It was medallions. Huh? <laughs> like potato medallions. Huh? <laughs> man. That was great, man. Real, real quick before we uh, head out. Rapid fire. So we we gonna do this after at the end of each episode. Rapid fire. So, give me three things, or give the viewers three things that you wish you had done differently going into your career. I think I would have not looked at it as a career. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have looked at it and understood that I owned a business upon the fact that I got my license. Like once you get your license, you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. It's on you if you're going to own a business or not. And own a business doesn't mean own a barbershop. It means owning your future. You are the business, right? You run the business of you. You are a CEO of your own life. And if you saw that for really what it is, like when you get your license, you are an entrepreneur, then you would probably think differently about how you approach making the money because you realize this is the all you're going to do to live off, live off of and, and sustain your family. I think that's number one. I wish I would have known that. Number two, uh, I think I wish I would have understood the power of client retention. I didn't realize that till I moved from my first barbershop and moved to a different location and then only four people followed me, but yet everybody loved me while I was there. I was like, oh, man. So I didn't understand what client retention was and strategies about how to do that. I didn't have none of that. So I wish I would have known that. And then thirdly, I would have wished that I knew how to attract the clients that I wanted. But even more than that is identifying the types of clients that I had. If I understood the different types of clients that all of us have, we got casual clients, we got charismatic clients, we got consistent clients, and then we got our champs. If I were conscious about those, I would have been able to make better moves as an entrepreneur. I would have been able to make better moves because understanding people, understanding the types of people allow you to change, shift, and make more money quicker than if you don't know what you're doing and you're shooting in the dark. Right now, what about you? I hope you get to get the rapid fire as well because that was totally off guard. I didn't know what was about to happen. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we <clears throat> sometimes we're gonna go off script, man. We gotta improv. I stole that from a podcast that I listened to, uh, and, and they do rapid fire, and it just you know makes the end of the, the episode interesting. But my three things would be, um. I completely agree with you on the first one, so I'm gonna steal your first one. Um, two would be that I wish I had went and stuck with my first mind and did this right out of high school. 
and then three um three i would have to say that just being more confident in my abilities getting into the industry i didn't have that confidence you know i was confident when i was by myself but the minute i got amongst other barbers i lost that confidence i was no longer the guy it's easy to be mm. the guy when you're the only one in you know the environment yeah. but when i got around other people i appreciated it because it helped me to level up my skills it helped me to level up my professionalism and um you know i just i really appreciate my learning experiences along the way but i i definitely wish that uh i had that confidence heading in because it it not having that confidence almost broke me it almost deterred me from pursuing this i i really wanted to give up and i thank god that i didn't because uh you know by his grace i ended up making a good career for myself you know, I, I started off, I started my first full year in 2012, and it was a struggle. I had five clients, you know, on a consistent basis. But, you know, fast forward from 2012 to 2014, so much transpired. Me and uh, an, another guy that we both know, Traven, we both became business owners at uh, 25. I was 25, and he was 21. We became business owners in 2014 in only two three years of being in the industry and for those of you who don't know that's very soon that's very fast yeah, that's fast. to become a, a business owner like we were still puppies like just not even just in the industry but like just in life bro like we were so young like you look at 25 and think it's grown you're really not grown you just now kind of starting to figure out life but you still don't know what life is all about yet and you know i was thrown into that but it also helped me to grow up and mature a lot faster too. So it's been a great episode. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up. We look, guys, we appreciate you taking out time in your day to, you know, either listen to us while you're riding to work or, you know, riding wherever you're riding to. You might be even, cutting. And you, you might, might be cutting, cutting and, and yeah. got us on in the shop on YouTube. Yeah. I don't I don't know. <laughs> but uh I definitely appreciate you know doing this podcast with my brother Bradford Kelly, brother. I appreciate you. This has been an honor. Uh, we have more episodes to come, more things to come, um, and, and we got this experience for the first time earlier this year doing a segment for you, our CEO, me, you, and Traven. And then yeah. it sprouted an idea for both of us, and. Uh, I really appreciate just being able to do this with you, brother. Like, yeah, you know, it not only just for viewers sake and, you know, getting this content out there, but even just learning more about each other on the, on a deeper level. Yeah. You know, so I, I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Hats off to the first episode of elevated barbers. I appreciate you as well. Uh, Delmar like words can't say enough, so I'm not going to try and attempt to, but you know the love is there. And for all the viewers that are um, listening in, we appreciate you for taking the time to listen to us, have a conversation about the beginning of barbering for us and our pathways, some of the pros and the cons of barbering, as well as what it takes to be a professional barber. Because on the next episode, I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but you got to come back and listen. So, <laughs> all right, y'all. 
This is the Prince. I'm out. It's time to level up. <laughs>